Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, what is up, everybody, and welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for students and getting ahead as a student, but a terrible resource for knowing whether or not Bonesaw is, in fact, ready. Though he is. Bonesaw is always ready. He wasn't that ready. He, he really wasn't. <laughs> I promised you three grand. For three minutes, you pinned him in two. Puffed that, up confidence. I give you a hundred. Can only and you're get lucky you so I'm far. giving you that. That's true. That's a lot of confidence. There's a lot of there's like a life lesson in he there. He was the macho man though. Yep. Unfortunately, being the macho man is often not enough to evenly match you, to put you on even footing with somebody who was just bitten by a radioactive spider. Spider Man and Macho Man. Yep. Anyway. We are ready to answer five questions because today on the College Info Geek Podcast, we are answering or doing one of those uh, those old standards, the five questions episode. Uh, is this the last five questions? I think there might be one more, one more? and that one might be a pure Q&A mm. where I had no intention of limiting it to productive-ish questions. You know what I have? I have Notion. What? I could literally look and see what Crazy. our schedule is. That's impossible. Um, How are you doing that? Okay, according to the schedule you have created, we have one more. Tentative. We have one more real five questions, and then a pure Q and A, basically an AMA. Yeah, basically the Tom and Martin AMA. Yeah, which will be fun, uh, and then we'll have our final episode, and then we will start thinking about our next podcast, which I'm personally getting excited about. Yeah, I want to keep doing this. I just want to. Be able to talk about things that don't fit under the college moniker. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like, like we're building a server to enable like much more efficient video editing, and I would love to have an episode where I just geek out about that. So I need to build a show format where I could do that, but also maybe have an episode where we talk about a book. Yeah. Also have an episode where we talk about Some like more music freedom. Stuff. Yeah, just something casual. There's, a, I mean, there's a lot of scripting. We've covered a lot of topics. We have sometimes, multiple times. That's what 300 episodes <laughs> implies. Mm-hmm. Especially since a lot of those were five questions, and I have a like, I have a question bank of all of the five questions. We've had 30 something of those, maybe 35, 36, mm-hmm. and that's like 180 well, like questions by itself. 10 percent of our episode is, or of our, our episode we, we bank have a, we is have a five lot. questions. It's, it's crazy. I should probably go back through five questions archives and see if there are discussions we've had based on questions that we could turn into videos. Maybe. Because I've been thinking about my back catalog on YouTube and how there are videos where I've talked about things that I would like to do full videos on. Like a lot of my past videos have been like, here's five things that you could do to have a happier day or 10 tips for this or that. And... I think it would be cool to take one of those and make a video. Yeah. Just kind of really going all in on it. I mean, 
the video we made in January, the skill you're slowly losing, really the, the biggest uh, practical takeaway from that video was the 15-minute rule, which we've talked about on the show plenty of times. I mean, the first time it was ever mentioned on the show was the interview with Matt Ringle, and I think we've talked about it briefly in videos, but we never really made something where it was the focus of an entire video and kind of built up an entire case for exactly what it solves yeah, and you know how it solves it. So there's stuff that I feel like I just haven't done to the level I would like to do it to. And I'm sure there's the plenty have... of stuff hidden in there. Mm-hmm. You just got to listen to like 290 hours. More than that. Of content. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely more than that. I would say we go over the hour mark more often than we don't hit it. Yeah. If I were to guess. Um, I'm not sure. Have we ever had a two-hour episode? We broke an episode into pieces because it was too long. Wait, have you and I did did that? I feel like that happened. Or at least... It happened with the car buying episode. Okay, it happened with, with that uh, one. two guests and you were on it. Oh, I think one of the college, Path of College ones was really long. That was planned, though. Yeah. That was planned it, to be Yeah, I just remembered those were broken apart on purpose mm-hmm. because the topic was clearly going to go over. Yeah. I, I think we, if we those caught were that one ahead of time into one episode, it would be five hours. That'd be a messed up of content. That's it'd a lot be, of stuff. It'd be a blur. Be mm-hmm. too confusing. Like a blue blur. Sega's favorite blue blur. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I need to find the right five questions so we can start. No, let's reading answer these five questions old on. questions and see oh. if we disagree with our old self and see who notices. Yeah, <laughs> they'll never know. I'll just rephrase them, and because these episodes are so kind of off the cuff, it would be a different episode anyway. Yeah. And I think very few people would really know. I think if I took an old five questions, rewrote the questions, mixed up the order, so what and made it old enough that we forgot what we said on the first one. The new podcast is actually just all of the College Info Geek episodes redone out mm-hmm. of order. Mm-hmm. Backwards. Yeah, we're just going to we're just going to mess with you. <laughs> you know, just a 7 or 8 year project. That's just a high tier troll. Yeah, it's free real estate. It is. We won't even have to work for that. That's true. All right. Uh, Anyway, so five questions episodes. If you're not familiar, our episodes where we take five questions from our Instagram, Twitter, email, smoke signals that we pay attention to. We're constantly monitoring smoke signals for faint wisps in the air that somehow end up being meaningful communication. We take those. We feed them into a Willy Wonka-esque contraption with many, like, loops. Loops. Uh, pneumatic valves and screens of various proportions and uh, vacuum and diode ray tubes, which then give us the perfect amount of questions to answer. Yeah. And since we have a limited amount left, I mean, send your questions. Because we've only got like one legit five questions left in this podcast. We have one legit five questions left, but... um, I, I have made no secret about the fact that I'm going to use the Cortex podcast as a heavy inspirational model for whatever show we build in the future. And one segment they do occasionally on that podcast is just reader mail or listener mail, I suppose. That's fair. Where they just kind of answer questions. Um, I don't remember what they call it, but I would like to have some sort of Q&A section again. I mean, I kind of want to do what we're doing now, just have a little just bit a more freedom title. for topics. I want to be able to... Just need to change the name, really. Into and... things, you know? Yeah. Like, I got a gray hair in my beard now, so I want to talk about my AARP membership, the benefits therein. 
That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I am actually don't don't DM me on Instagram. I won't see it. Uh, but I'm Tom Frankly on Twitter. If you want to send short questions or to Yo Martholomew over on Twitter. Uh, otherwise, the comment section on our YouTube channel is probably the best place to put questions. Not least of which because they may end up getting answers from other awesome listeners. Oh, does that happen? Yeah. I mean, there's discussion that happens. Clearly, sometimes. the YouTube comments are not the best place to reach me. They are not. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not not a ton, especially on the podcast channel because it's a smaller channel. But yeah. occasionally, we do see discussion happening there. That's cool. Um, we used to run a community. I mean, the community still exists, but I have realized that running an active yeah. community is something that is antithetical to having enough focus to be an artist. We don't do too much <laughs> with it at this point. Mm-mm. It's still there. It is still there. Yeah, it's just collegeofbookie.com slash community. Anyway, so let's get into the five questions that we did get for this episode, pumped out by our amazing Willy Wonka contraption. The first one being... You recently mentioned the feeling of anticipation of interruption keeping you from being able to focus. What should you do to try to stay focused when you're at a job with an open door policy and interruptions are unavoidable? Uh, when I read this question, I was immediately reminded of Linus from Linus Tech Tips. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we, we're working on getting the How They Work video for Linus Tech Tips out in March. Um, Linus said, my job is basically just being interrupted all day long <laughs> and people like just demanding my time all day long. And I remember asking him, I'm like, do you really get any time to just work on your own on your own projects? And he's like, not really. It's, it's just all day, every day people are kind of demanding my time. Wow. Which is what happens when you run a 35 person company. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and even when you have a, COO, which is his wife, and you have um, other people who are kind of in like C-level positions managing stuff, you still have to do a lot of management, especially when you're the face of the brand and you want to have a lot of control over it. Yeah. So I was definitely reminded of that. Um, I feel like the, the biggest thing is I think you can work with an open door policy while still working in times of uninterrupted work. And that's just going to take open communication. So like generally my doors are open, but maybe like say I am on a call for the next 30 minutes or for the next hour or block out time on your on your calendar. Yeah. Um, and if, if you have like a boss who's so, I guess, gung-ho about an open door policy that they don't want to let you do this, then you probably should just talk to them. And let them know, like, hey, I can't focus and get the work I need to get done done because the policies of this company have been set up in a way that don't allow me to get things done for more than five minutes at a time. Yeah. And, you know, I think if you bring it up to them, they should hopefully realize, oh, our policies are actually impacting productivity negatively. Yeah, I'm sure they want productive things to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like you you get this more than I do. That, yeah, that fear of interruption I, kind of I paralyzing you. I do fear you. the interruption. There's a lot of work I just can't do if I'm going to be interrupted at all. So I'm I'm way too like plugged into it. Are there any things you've but, done to deal with that? Well, back in the old place before I decided to, this isn't a problem now, but I had gotten some hue lights and was using them to signify what kind of work I was doing, mm-hmm. and like 
if it was on the programming light, please don't interrupt me right now. I can be interrupted for emergencies. And then, and then later, we decided, hey, I got an idea. If you like need something, just turn the light teal. It'll show up in my room. I'll see it, and I'll be like, ah, oh, I'll get to it. Oh. It's like, hey, just so you know, whenever. Yeah. Whenever you're ready. But like just a light changing, it, it's clearly not an emergency, or you know, Ashley would have actually just come and said, hey, the apartment's on fire. She wouldn't have ch- changed the hue light mm-hmm. to let me know about that. So it was just like, when I have time for a break, and that might be, oh, I'll finish this thing in 10 minutes. I'll, I'll find the next stopping point. Yeah. Um, I've heard of companies doing this where you can have something maybe sitting on your desk that implies I'm busy right now. Mm-hmm. But I feel like... With the headphones. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned open communication. I think that would help a lot, even just with the people asking questions. Just like, yeah. hey, um, if this isn't an emergency, you can have my full attention... In like five minutes. Let me finish this real quick. Otherwise, you can have my half attention right now, mm-hmm. but you may have to explain it several times. Yeah. And this, I mean, this happens with Ashley. She'll, she'll like come ask me a question before um, I'm done thinking something. And it's not usually interrupting specifically work at this point. It's just like she's just saying something and I'm lost in thought and, and I won't hear the first half of the question at mm-hmm. all. So I'll just be like, hold on. Now I'm listening. Because if I'm not fully listening, what's even the point of explaining it to me? Yeah. I think, uh, you know, getting into tools for a second, you could actually set up Slack. And just to give one example, uh, you could set up Slack in a way that would allow for kind of like a ping that I would check at a certain time. So for non-urgent things. And you could set up, say, a channel where you would, you know, at mention someone, hey, when you get a chance, can you look at this? Oh, yeah. And then you could have direct messages set as a way to get a hold of somebody as, you know, a very urgent thing. Or, you know, it could be like if I text you, it's an urgent thing. And then you could set like you as the person who needs to, you know, be reached by employees or whoever it is, you could set things up where a direct message actually sends you a notification, whereas mentions in a channel do not. Yeah. So then if you had it set up, you know, if you're, if you're organized enough, you could be like, all right, well, once an hour or, you know, between work sessions, I plan out, I'm going to check this channel to see if anybody has needed my attention. And that kind of guarantees that you're not neglecting people all day. And then if they really need you, you'll get the notification. Yeah. Yeah. I just really, and you'd have to communicate that really clearly and you'd have to stick to it. Cause when you let, if you let somebody slide through it, the whole Mm -hmm. system's immediately broken. Yep. But it's just. Like, uh, like you're next on the list. You can have my full attention then. Yeah. And I think that's actually going to be more appreciated because then they're being shown that what they're asking does matter mm-hmm. enough to actually pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, some interruptions can't really be avoided, and that is terribly annoying to me. Um, if it's something that I'm trying to work on that's super ultra intense... I just won't even bother starting it until weird hours. Now, this this depends on flexibility. But like at my previous job, I would specifically come in on Saturday or Sunday if I had a big programming thing because I could just do it all myself for like six hours with no interruptions. Yeah. And that's just I had to do that kind of work then. This is the problem with open office layouts. Yeah, and that's basically like what just... we had. And it, I couldn't do some tasks I was fine with, but I can't do the huge really the most important things Mm -hmm. like i can work around people 
but I think there's a difference between, say, working at a coffee shop where there's a lot of people around and working in an office that's open where coworkers are around you because in a coffee shop, nobody's going to try to get your attention. They are around you, but they're doing their own thing. They don't know you. Yeah. You might as well be alone. At work, yeah, it's a bit different. People are probably going to be getting your attention. Yeah. And I think, you know, something that you probably um, deal with is it's just the anticipation. Yeah, like the at anticipation any moment, somebody might break my concentration. It's Therefore, like, I cannot get into a concentrated state. Well, and I think part of it's like the, I can't start this until I'm ready. Yeah. I need the perfect start for mm -hmm. this kind of work, which overall isn't a great tactic anyway, even if it wasn't because of interruptions. Because if I'm just like, oh, I'm a little too tired today to get started on this. Or maybe Thursday would be better. Then I'm just going to keep putting it off. And usually the focus will only be found kind of by accident once I just decide to start working in an unfocused way. Yeah. So it made – you kind of have to just go through it saying, yep, this is going to suck. I'm not going to get any good work done. And then sometimes you'll accidentally get focused and get good work done. Isn't that weird? How Even that if interruptions are going to come, you just have to say, "Yeah, they're going to come." So I'm going to I'm going to loosely take a look at this. I'm just going to lazily look through the problem, mm -hmm. and then you'll probably just end up focused anyway. Yeah, I mean, something I realize is uh, a lot of days I'll get up and be like, "Okay, this is a writing day," so I'm going to shower, I'm going to get dressed, I'm going to walk to the coffee shop, and that's when I'm going to sit down, I'm going to write. So it's me kind of anticipating this perfect situation. You're making this big old done. event out of it. Um, and then I'll be in the shower or whatever, and I'll get one little idea, and I'm like, oh, I better write that down in Evernote, just like jot the note down so I have it for reference when I get to the coffee shop where I'm going to do my writing. So I'll sit down, and because it's such a little thing, it gets me started, and then I'm just, I find myself sitting in my bathroom just writing half the video yeah. in Evernote on my phone. Whereas when I get to the coffee shop... A lot of times, I'm like, all right, well, for it to be truly perfect to write, I should probably clear my email inbox first. I should probably yeah. check Slack to make sure nobody needs me. Uh, there's construction outside. Uh, construction's kind of hot in here. I'll and work you know next what? week. I need to, like, look up some details about, like, outlets and stuff for the server because that's urgent. <laughs> I feel like the pressure's too high, so you're mm -hmm. just you know, going to want to avoid it just yeah. in case it can't live up to its moment. But a lot of my better focus comes from just, like um, – when I wanted to do my that huge pixel art Pokemon scene that I had made yeah. in whatever month I put that out in, that was the, the persimmons something. one. Yeah, the persimmons one. The way that started was that Ashley was at this event, and I just decided I'm going to bring my iPad, just chill in my car outside for like an hour, mm -hmm. and just kind of loosely sketch things and and kind of Google images for reference and tons of other stuff. Yeah, and. That all started because I was lazily working in my car. If I had sat down to my desk in, in like perfect situation and opened up all the right stuff, I probably would have scared myself out of it. I kind of need that lazy, creative time to start a big project. Yeah. I can finish it with ultra-dedicated time later. And at that point, it's kind of hard to interrupt me because I'm not really even going to hear you mm -hmm. until I get to a stopping point. It's not Nothing you say is going to stick. Yeah. Alrighty, so we have we have a second question here. Deceptively simple question: What's the best position to read in? This question is a difficult one, and I've wondered it for a long time. I'm gonna say hanging upside down. 
like that's a bat. Good. It elongates your spine. It's, it does, but yeah, it also it's... pools the blood in your head, so you have more blood, like near your brain, to like power up your brain. That is arguably the reading thing. It's like the ultimate productivity hack. Yeah. Why well, have all the blood like down here in your limbs when it could be up there, supercharging your brain to it makes read better? Sense. So upside down. Yeah. If you can't do that, though, honestly, the answer might simply be to take breaks and shift positions every once in a while because much yeah. like a laptop, books are kind of inherently bad ergonomically because it's something mm-hmm. you're holding that you want to be looking at. But you want your neck to normally be like straight up and you want your hands and arms to be at a normal level. So if I hold the book up to eye level for good neck neck positioning – my arms are going to get tired. If I put my arms down and I look down, I'm hurting my neck the same way as if I were texting. Yeah. It's somewhat unavoidable that most positions for this particular thing are eventually going to be uncomfortable. So it might just be better to switch. There is one situation in which I've avoided this because my nerve damage was so bad that I literally couldn't like look down and work like that. And I got this cool little clamp thing that had a a bendy gooseneck sort of sort of um hand, I don't know what to call it right now and it had a another clamp at the end that would hold my Kindle and I could attach this to the side of a table put it up to eye level and then just yeah. sort of read it that that could work that's pretty fancy and yet that would help extra if you were hanging upside down you don't even need to hold the book anymore that's true and then um you could get the um book holders that will hold the pages open. I don't use those because I'm overly protective of my physical books, but yeah, you could probably accomplish something similar with that. I had the idea for the perfect reading setup. All right. So you got a 3D mouse. Okay. That you can hold wherever hate, you want. I hate 2D mice. Not on the desk. It's like one of those ones that you move in the air. It's got a scroll wheel you can use. And then the distance, it tracks the distance between the mouse and the computer and in real time will zoom the text so you could even pace around the room. Mm. And then you put it on a standing desk with the monitor at the right ergonomic height and you could just stand in the perfectly ergonomic position and read. Then V2 of this, you have a drone with a screen that allows you to pace around the room however much you want and the drone just stays in your field of view. Well, that'd be fancy. That's the perfect reading position. I might get distracted, though. At least ergonomically. Yeah, because this is this is my uh, my debate here. Is like there's the ergonomically best position to read in, and then there's the positions I find myself in when I'm reading the most deeply. Yeah. And when I'm reading the most deeply, I'm usually sitting at a table with the book flat on the table, and I'm like kind of hunched over it. It's just how it is. Sometimes I'm sitting in a chair. Yeah, and like, like ne- neither of those are going to be particularly good for your... Mm-hmm. We just don't want to be still in, like, any position for a long time. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, the biggest thing is it's, take breaks. Un- unfortunately, I have not found a much better solution. You know, because with a computer, I just put the monitor at eye level, put a keyboard on my lap. Mm-hmm. That's I can't reach the pages if my yeah. hands are down by my knees. I just I can't turn it. Yeah. The, the biggest thing is take uh, breaks. Difficult. And I would say uh, specifically Ooh. when you take a break, go outside for a bit and... I've said this a million times for exercise reasons, all these things, but um, what I want to highlight here is when you're reading, your eyes are fixated at a specific point for a very long period of time. 
you want to go outside and basically like exercise the little micro muscles that control your eyes. Get get buff eyes. You want to get buff eyes. Yeah. That now, makes sense. I mean, I'd, I'd have to look up the the research behind this, but I do remember in college reading stuff about how um, you know staying inside a lot um, can develop or can contribute to the development of I think myopia. So. I would I would like to refresh my knowledge on the scientific basis behind that, but I can tell you that ever since reading that as a student, I have remained conscious about the fact that I should be going outside and kind of just like giving my eyes many different distances to fixate upon every single day, yeah. along with just getting sunlight exposure, which is good, um, because I, I would prefer not to accelerate any development of any kind of eye deficiency. Don't worry. The Colorado UVs will accelerate other things in your skin. I will burn from Um, the lack of oxygen and the lack of sun protection. I realize I actually accidentally did find the perfect reading position in this conversation. If you just read in like a Kindle app on your computer, you can have a a keyboard in your lap and just be looking at it. Now, I don't know that I would focus while reading. That's what I was saying. it It would be like comfortable. Like, yeah, my, my perfect reading setup wasn't a, fi- a fiction. You can literally get a 3D mouse. You could put the Kindle app it's, into scroll mode if you wanted to. Yeah, or totally I think it makes sense to go to the side. And like, then you could stand there and you could have your arms wherever you wanted. And you yeah, could just scroll. I, like, that's totally reasonable. And I already do it for everything else. I just don't read on my computer screen. Yeah. Yeah. And like, to be honest, I, I'm being Because the bit, Kindle screen is way better. I'm being a little silly here because I, I don't think... I can't really picture myself standing in front of my computer and getting invested in a book. Ooh, or if you could lay down on your back with with proper support for spines and necks and things, and you could get that same Kindle clamp and hold it right above your head. That's true. That's That's been comfortable when I've done it. I forgot I've done that. Just make sure that the clamp is reliable, <laughs> and then you're good. You know what? Every once in a while, I think, you know, we could deal with a Kindle to the face just to remind us that life is pain. That's fair. <laughs> you do need a reminders. There certainly aren't <laughs> enough. Uh, the one reading position I do not recommend at all is laying on the ground, propped up on your elbows, reading like that. Why? That's terrible for all of the parts of your body. If, Why if not? I lay on like a bed reading or looking at my phone for even like 10 minutes, my nerves will just start to hurt. It's not good. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend nerve injuries. Yeah. And unfortunately, like a lot of times when I travel and I will stay in a hotel that doesn't have like a chair, I'll find myself just like laying on the bed, looking at my phone or reading a book or whatever it is. And then realize, I'm like, damn it, I did it again. You know? Yeah. So try to avoid that. Try to avoid long-term nerve damage in your arms if you can. Because um, I don't know about you, but like, I still get like I'll still get flared-up nerve pain. Oh, I still get if that. I get in the wrong That'll position all the time. If I, I don't, if I get tension in the right muscle areas. Yeah, I don't think it goes which away. Which is always there. Like I just can function. That's all. If I live correctly, if I maintain healthy habits, if I stay in an ergonomic position, if I take breaks and move a lot, then it's not an issue. It's it's a non-issue. Um, but if I put myself in the wrong position, I am swiftly reminded that I sustained nerve damage before and it is yep. just right around the corner. They get, they get sensitive. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what are you reading books for? You nerd. That's true. What do you think a woman like Michelle would marry a nerd? <laughs> <laughs> 
This week's episode of our show is brought to you by our friends over at Skillshare, which is a learning library with thousands of classes you can use to build your skills in a ton of different area and make yourself more competitive in your career field. They have classes ranging from graphic design classes, uh, After Effects and motion design classes, uh, they have music mixing, audio engineering, productivity, all kinds of different topics. And I was thinking about something recently. Go ahead. Running this business has required the development of so many different skills it kind of boggles my mind sometimes. Because like most days, we make videos, we write things, we make podcasts. But last night, I had to learn about like the watt limit of a standard US outlet to make sure that the servers we're going to plug in are not going to like trip a breaker. And over the years, I've had to learn about how to set up an LLC, how to do double entry bookkeeping for accounting. Like there's all these different skills out there that you have to kind of amass to be a successful entrepreneur and to run a business. Uh, either that or you have to be very good at delegation and have yeah. enough money to just hire everyone to do this. Uh, and that isn't something that's limited to just running a business of your own. If you want to be successful in your career, you really want to build world-class skills in your your true skill area, but you also want to build ancillary skills that kind of set you apart from the competition and give you either a way to maybe make connections in a very crowded field where maybe you can't stand out just by being like, you know, a really good PHP programmer. There's yeah, a lot like of there, great there PHP programmers out there. What if you're a PHP programmer who's also really good at UX design or something like that, or really good at doing CSS animation with crazy easing curves, stuff like that, that could set you apart. And the great thing about Skillshare is, for one monthly fee, which is less than $10 a month with their annual plan, you have access to their entire library with thousands of different classes. So you can go into your main skill area and level up, but you can also dabble in all these other areas in classes that are taught by expert teachers. Uh, I have a couple of classes on Skillshare. One is about how to optimize your productivity system, which includes your to-do list, your calendar, your note-taking system, your file organization system, both in the real world with all papers and folders, and also your digital uh, folder organization system on your computer, and how to make them work harmoniously. So that's a great course. And, uh, well, that sounds very <laughs> Very full of hubris. It's a great course. I think it's, it's a great course. It's the best course. course you've ever seen. I think it's okay to be a little bit positive about your own work, you know? So yeah, it's a great course. And I also have another one, which is all about how to build strong habits, how to identify your most important goals in life, break those down into actionable habits, and then stick to those habits over the long term. So I think you're really going to enjoy both of those classes along with all the other ones on the platform. And if you're one of the first 500 people to go over to Skillshare.com geek and sign up, you're gonna get a free two-month trial with unlimited access to Skillshare. So there is a lot you would be able to learn with that two-month free trial. I think you'd be able to take both of my classes before that expires. So check that out. Once again, be one of the first 500 people to go over to Skillshare.com geek and sign up. Big thanks, as always, to Skillshare for sponsoring this episode and being a huge supporter of our show. And another big thanks goes out to our second sponsor this week, which is Brilliant. Brilliant is an amazing learning library for anybody who wants to increase their mastery in the areas of math, science, and computer science. They are laser focused on these three areas, and they put a ton of effort into building courses that really encourage active learning. Instead of just passively intaking material like you might in a classroom, you are immediately thrown into challenging problems that let you kind of wrangle with the material yourself. It builds more interest in the material and also keeps you more engaged and helps you to make faster progress. In their library, you're going to find more than 60 in-depth courses ranging from calculus to number theory to statistics. In fact, they have an entire math suite, like pretty much all the math courses. Maybe not every math course ever, 
They don't have a Pokemon counting class. I think you could teach that one though. There's some serious math when you get a, when you get into Pokemon. There's a lot of Pokemon there. Though I would I would argue that the basic number theory course probably covers conceptually uh, to the counting of Pokemon. You you do need some calculus to calculate some things in Pokemon if you <laughs> get true. really competitive. Oh, that is true. There's so probably some gonna, high level statistics oh, there, as well. There there's some crazy stuff in there. So you're gonna you're gonna want to learn that in order to play Pokemon. Okay, so yeah, if you want to be a high level Pokemon player or you just want to increase your knowledge in these areas, you'll definitely want to check out those classes. They also have science classes ranging from gravitational physics to classical mechanics and computer science classes, including a class on search engines. So if you want to know how Google works, if you want to know how you can type in a query and instantaneously get back billions of different search results, then this class will start to help you build that knowledge because you actually get to build a little mini search engine of your own. And in that category, there are also computer algorithm courses, courses on uh, computer memory, there's a Python programming course, all kinds of great stuff. And in addition to that library, there's a feature called Daily Challenges, where every single day they publish a new challenge in a different area of either science or math or computer science, where you can kind of cut your teeth on an area you may have not checked out before and also make learning and problem solving a daily habit. And this is important. When you encounter new problems and work to solve them, actually put in the difficult work of dealing with something you haven't seen before, you become universally a better problem solver. It is a skill that you build through specific application, but then it is usable on a general scale. So if you want to try out Brilliant, go over to brilliant.org slash geek and sign up. And you can start for free today with that daily challenges feature. And if you are one of the first 200 people to sign up today with that link, again, brilliant.org slash geek, you're going to get 20% off your annual premium subscription, which gets you access to the entire uh, library of in-depth courses, plus all the daily challenges that they have published since the beginning. So once again, brilliant.org slash geek, and thanks to Brilliant for sponsoring this episode and being a big supporter of our show. Let's get back into it. All right, question number three. I'm working on a personal site and I'm using the CIG site as one of my inspirations. I like the customizability and freedom of hard coding, so I'm leaning toward that instead of a CMS. Do you hard code all the posts for CIG or do you use a blogging platform? So uh, we use WordPress, which is a blogging platform. WordPress is a content management system. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the basis of like, half the internet uh, yeah, a huge percentage of the internet so it would be weird to call it a blogging platform even though it does still kind of have posts as the yeah, first that's like thing. what it's for but it's flexible enough to do almost anything yeah uh, i mean you can hard code your blog posts but i wouldn't recommend it because using a content management system makes it very easy for us to make new posts but also it makes it very easy for us to go back and make changes to posts as a whole yeah. Nice. yeah, if there's ever a specific thing we'd like to undo, it's just mm -hmm. one big fix or maybe a few rather than yeah. limitless. I've um, seen very few sites that will that really would justify hard coding every single post. I do remember one. I can't even remember what it was, but uh, they had gone to the lengths to like make a specific CSS layout for every article that kind of like complemented the article and looked very artistic. It was very magazine-like. That's cool. Sometimes um, the New York Times and other big publications will very rarely have an article that is it's completely differently formatted than the rest of the site. Yeah, like you you it's could like have you could thing. have every once in a while 
mm-hmm. a specifically styled thing and then still have a default for when you don't feel like it. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd consider hard coding if it were a limited amount. If I were mm-hmm. like making a site that was going to have 10 blog posts max, yeah. that'd probably be okay. Or if I were primarily doing it to test out my front-end development skills, mm-hmm. maybe that'd be a reason. But if I just wanted to write and kind of get information out there, it would be way more convenient to have a default. And, and WordPress isn't the only option. Um, there's Ghost. There's, if I want to go back in time, Joomla. I think um, Tofugu, when they changed, they went to something like Middleman or something, and it creates static pages. Yeah, there's a, it's a static it's like, CMS. Yeah, so it doesn't which is pull. a pretty cool different way of doing things. And I guess so to um, explain the difference there, WordPress... It is a bunch of code, like a bunch of HTML, CSS, JavaScript code, um, and a bunch of PHP that kind of like holds it all together. But to show you a blog post, like you the visitor, it is pulling the actual content of that blog post from a database. Which means that every time somebody loads a page um, in a normal configuration, the server has to go like ask the database, hey, can you give me all the content for this post? So you incur what's called a database query. You can get around this by caching, which essentially just like builds that page by querying the database once, then essentially like freezes a snapshot of it and serves that up until it ever changes or until like a time expiry date. Um, Static websites, there's no database to pull from. All that content is just hard coded in, in the code. Yeah. Like directly in the HTML. So instead of the HTML being like, all right, pull this stuff from the database, it's just all sitting there. So it's it's generally faster and simpler. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, like my personal website's static, but that's because I don't really add anything to it. Mm-hmm. I just built it once and I was like, there, it's as fast as possible because it's yep. ultra simple. Yeah. Uh, so for College Info Geek, to give people a little bit of context, it is based on WordPress, but... The theme it's running on, so the entire look and feel of it, along with a lot of the functions that run under the hood, were uh, custom coded. Oh yeah, it's so, not. We didn't just like buy a theme. Yeah, everything you see website. on College of Geek was designed by me in Figma, which is a UX and UI design app, and then coded by you from scratch. Yeah, or, I guess from scratch is a little bit inaccurate. You started from um, was it Bones? Underscores, maybe? Underscores, yeah. So Underscores is a incredibly bare bones. And I, there is also one called Bones, but Underscores yeah, is it's, one it's we It's basically use. like it does the, the basic, obvious PHP you'll probably want. Yep. It's in there. It's like the simplest starting point still have to style theme it, for WordPress that you could find. And then you can style it. You can add to it as you want. Uh, it, it is not for beginners. It is not going to get you what you want out of the box that's why people build other themes not nearly out of the box (laughs) it is going to look very very basic um but it it saves you from having to code all the main theme functions yourself yeah which is just which would have been like pointless because i can rework them as i'm coding but i don't need Mm -hmm. to reinvent the wheel that doesn't make sense yeah it's basically like when i open up my video project template yeah for a new video i've got sequences set out that have their aspect ratio and their frame rate already set, things like that. I don't have to set those every single time. Yeah. And if I mm-hmm. wanted to do a ton of extra custom stuff, 
With something like WordPress, you can through like short codes or custom page templates. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could have 10 different blog post templates if we wanted. Yeah. It would be perfectly reasonable. You could click through them with a drop down and pick which one each did or have it be automatic based on a category you put them in. We just don't. Yeah. To, the, the sky for is our the limit. purposes, it doesn't make sense, but it could for you. Yeah, yeah. if I wanted to, if I was like, hey, Martin, I want to make one article that's like this big special extravaganza that has all this different styling. Yeah, it wouldn't, you wouldn't build be hindered at all. But, okay, I will just code a template for that. Yeah, we'll I would just start CSS, from scratch and, and code just, a brand new template with its own CSS. Boom. I wouldn't even concern the old stuff. In fact, we could fully hard code a post where we didn't even write any text in the blog post text box in the back end. Oh, we yeah. just choose this is our text or this is our post template. And it would load that code, and if we had, we could just hard code the entire article into that. Yeah, we could so, do whatever we want. I would, I would go that route if you want to start a website that you think is going to have a decent amount of content, because it gives you the flexibility to write something, just get it out there. If you don't feel like hard coding today, but it also lets you hard code if you want to, and also it will give you experience with um, the world's most popular CMS. Yeah. So if, if your career aspirations have anything to do with WordPress, then it gives you experiment or experience with WordPress. Uh, I have been heavily benefited by knowing WordPress throughout my career. Uh, that being said, there are, there are lots of other platforms out there. Yeah. Um, but if you want to learn to code, like I would say go with that over something like Squarespace or Wix or... Oh, yeah. Or, those or those will those. just like... I think you're you not going to code a lot. I think you have a limited amount or ability to code in those platforms, but it, they just do so much for you that they're not meant to be. You have less of ability to tinker around. Yeah, and with WordPress, like you don't even have to pay for hosting. You could build a local install yeah. on your own computer and just tinker around to your heart's content. You know, set up a local Git repo in case you blow everything up. Revert. Yep. Learn. Do all. Do whatever you want. Um, and yeah, if people have more questions about the tech side of our business, like feel free to ask them. This is stuff that we will probably feel more free to dig into. In yeah, we could we podcast. could go further into stuff like that. I would love to make like a half of our future podcast just like geeking out about the business and tech side of running this whole operation. Because the other half is Pokemon and Animal Crossing. That I'm going to cover that. Yeah, that's it's it's a Pokemon, Animal Crossing, and hardcore online business podcast. The first of its kind. Yeah. I realize that's like all I tweet about. It's probably it's like I'm not I'm not that productive on Twitter. I tweet I'm about a disappointment. things. So, all right. Uh, question number four: How can I write an interesting social media bio? You can't. You're not that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else can. Uh, be interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, th- this really depends on what you're trying to do with it. First of all, if you're trying to do a business sort of thing. Or it's a personal account, but I'd say a general rule is that you want to include what you'd like people to talk to you about if that's not already obvious from who you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of the connections you might make, if this is like a personal account, are going to be based on shared excitement about something. Yeah. So I want people to know in all my bios that they can talk to me in Spanish, French, or basic Japanese Mm -hmm. because they wouldn't guess that. So I need to put it somewhere that it's uh, just like, it's kind of like when you meet somebody and you, you leave little threads that they could pull at mm-hmm. if they wanted to get to know you more. But if there are no threads, they have no idea what to ask. So on social media, why would you even – why would you just guess, hey, random account, 
Um, super cool, dude. One, two, three. I don't know who you are, but you just got a shout out. Um, do you, yeah. do you speak Portuguese? Like that's a random question to ask if they've not really given any indication that the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say like, go look at examples to get some inspiration, but all my bios are sort of tailored around communicating what I do in some way, but also sort of injecting a little bit of my sense of humor. Yeah, a little bit of like personality and a little bit of stuff you do. Mm-hmm. So um, like my, uh, are, you, are you getting a call from no, I'm just gonna the find Secret mine. Service? Yeah, it's the Secret Service. We hang out. They need your help. I'm just going to find mine for when Oh, yeah, I guess we, we could literally because, pull up our... Uh, actually, I, th- I did an extra thing that I think communicates something about me all by itself. Okay. Oh, did you put like a... Um, let me go... The flags? Let me go to Twitter. So mine is, on Twitter, it's YouTuber, podcaster, and founder of at College Info Geek, so people can click on that, because I no longer link to College Info Geek in my personal bio. And then I have also a biz dev rockstar ninja guru, Samurai Toaster Evan. Yeah, declaring that you're the most professional of all time. So professional. Obviously. I'm not just a ninja. I am all those other things, too. Yeah. My my Twitter is very stupid. And that's part of the brand. But that's part of my brand. That's part of what you want to be. Yeah. So you got to leave it there. Like, I wouldn't... It hasn't always been that stupid, though. I didn't... I mean, when I was smaller on Twitter, I was always questioning, like, oh, can I put the perfect bio? And I feel like... I gave up on that. There is not a perfect bio, and people care a lot less than you think they do. So the one thing I want to highlight, though, is you mentioned like putting what you want people to talk to you about in your bio, and I will extend that by saying I have used Twitter as a recruiting tool before. Mm. In fact, I prefer Twitter for certain things over any other site for finding people who I might want to work with. For example, recently I was looking for a motion graphics artist that I might want to hire for a project. So I went to Twitter and I typed in motion graphics artist, freelance motion designer, freelance illustrator. Like I typed in these things looking for people because I know a lot of times those kind of people post their work on Twitter. And Twitter is a really easy way to get a hold of people quickly. Yeah. Where else like, like if I go to LinkedIn, like I don't know how to search LinkedIn for that kind of stuff. Instagram, I don't know how to... You know, it's it's hard to find people on Instagram. If I DM them, it's going to go to their other inbox. You're not going to see it. And then if I go to, like, Upwork, I have to deal with Upwork. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would rather just find somebody and be like, hey, I like your work. Do you have, like, do you do freelance? So, you know, put freelance in your bio or put commissions open, things like that. Yeah, stuff people might be searching for or mm-hmm. that you want them to just to know, just in case it ever pops up, that you're available to talk about. It's mm-hmm. It's like... A much more casual business card because yeah i would if i were rewriting my bio every single day every day i would make sure that it had at least something that was just some dumb yeah nonsense i love too just to be like there's some personality it's not just a business card it's a mm-hmm. business card with some other dumb stuff that business has nothing to do with um oh recently i went on twitter and i searched sound designer because i wanted to follow people who do sound design just so hmm. I had some people who I could kind of like learn from, look up to. So I just went through and I'm like, cool, you have sound effects libraries you've created. And I was also looking for people who were selling sound effects libraries. Yeah. And as a result of that Twitter search, I bought some sound effects libraries from some certain people. So they got sales because they had the right Twitter bio. Nice. But yeah, so what's, what's yours? Um, so mine, 
Now, now after each item in the list, I have an emoji. Uh, I just it makes it more colorful and I think more fun to read. Mm-hmm. But mine is photos, pixel art, piano, in parentheses, pursuing polyglotism, programming, podcasting, Pokemon, <laughs> peace, productive at college in Fuji. <laughs> so you also, as a bonus to all of the things I just listed, it's pretty obvious that I like wordplay. That's, that's a lot of since good I decided to do that <laughs> and like it's like Pokemon completely unnecessary but it fit the bill and I love Pokemon and most of my tweets are about Pokemon I need to make it clear yeah. to somebody that they shouldn't expect nothing but professional things <laughs> because I did not include professional among the words that start with P that was not one of just them just have un in parentheses yeah <laughs> but it's it's just like those are the things that if somebody were to tweet me about them, yeah, I would that would catch my eye first. If you tweet me about focus or something, I'll I'll probably see it and I I will decently likely answer with something, but if you tweet me about any of the things I've listed, I might be excited about it. Yeah. Because I've made it clear those are things I really care about. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's Pokémon. <clears throat> tweet me about Pokémon. You heard the man. Uh Instagram, mine is even simpler. It just says study and productivity YouTuber makes music sometimes. And then I always link to my latest video. So I on Instagram, it feels a little different because you can't link to things in posts. So I kind of need to use my bio as a way to link to my latest thing. Though I have noticed some people using something, something called Linktree. Oh, I've where seen you that. can just like build out like this little one page thing. That it's just like a separate website that's a grid of links. Mm-hmm. So that could be a thing. That makes sense. And then I could just update my link tree instead of having to update my Instagram bio every time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think those are generally some pretty good tips. Um, go look at the Instagram bios and the Twitter bios and the YouTubes and whatever of people you admire. See what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and then don't just blindly copy them. Oh, I, w- I will say for Instagram, mine is a little different because I wanted it to be clear what kind of stuff people would see if they followed me. Mm. So it says here, photos, pixel art, piano, elsewhere, and then lists the rest gotcha. of them. Just so that, like, you know what you're following. Yeah. Yeah. The main thing I'll recap this with is if you are looking for clients, if you're looking for a job, if you're looking for work, put what you do, be a little SEO minded in that bio. Yeah. Because people like me are searching. Uh, and then use your pin tweet. Oh, yeah. Because, like, if, if I find somebody who's like, oh, I'm a freelance motion designer, but then I go to the profile and, like, they are, you know, rightfully, they have every right to do this retweeting stupid Pokemon memes or whatever. Like, that's cool, but I'm not going to see Have your the first impression your be something else. Yeah. So, like, my yeah. pin tweet is my latest Skillshare course. So, people come to my profile, maybe I'll make a sale. And if not, they at least know, like, this is, like, kind of what I'm about. I made this course on habits. So it's a good indication of what I do. Yeah. I yeah, probably would have tweeted, like, I forgot about the pin tweet. That's you know, pretty... A llama picture. Yeah. Even though I would tweet that. Yeah, I usually, like, pin whatever my latest artistic endeavor was. Mm-hmm. Because that's more important than your first impression being, look, Martin got a shiny Nidorino in Pokemon Go. That's not really that relevant. To, like, it is impressive, though. You, you, it is. It's got a party hat. That's more impressive. It's very impressive with the party hat. <laughs> is it a three star though? Did you do? Yeah, the, it's good. What do they call that the? It's uh, a good one. What What is it called when you like inspect it? I don't remember. Evaluate? Is that what it is? I don't. I don't know. There appraise. Are so, there are so it's many appraisal. synonyms. That's what it is. Oh uh, yes, I've done it. It's a good one. Good. It's a good one. 
my new best friend. This Nidorino's way bigger than normal. It's got a hat. It's got a hat. That's the most not important. a tall hat. It's not well, like those clowns. <laughs> those dark clowns. <laughs> All right, let, let's move on to the yeah, on to whatever last question the other things are. I have to do more work today. All right, I've been interested in photography for a while now, but I have trouble doing it every day. Sometimes I like it, but sometimes it really feels like a chore. I'm not sure if this means I really love it or not, or if I'm just not happy with it because I don't know if I'll take any photos worth taking. Am I supposed to love it from the first click, or could it take longer? Uh, I'm going to put this out here as a blanket statement. Hobbies that involve skill, that involve artistic expression, that involve uh, you know a lot of care, they're not always fun. Sometimes it sucks. Oh, I, I hate photography like <laughs> once a week. Yeah. The the latest photo, the, the photo I posted today as the background to a preview of a song I'm working on, because I took it inside and because I use a macro lens and because Colorado is stupid and dry and dusty, mm-hmm. I took that photo like 40, 50 times. Yeah. Just over and over. And I've taken some indoor photos like 80 times. And then near the end of that, I'm like, I hate photography. Why do I do this? <laughs> it's the stupidest thing I've ever done. Why yep. do I Why do I even try indoor photos? Canceled. But mm-hmm. then when I'm finished, I like it again. It's just – and you're, you're not necessarily going to like it at first. And like you said, this applies to basically everything. Yeah. Um, one, I mean, the only thing in the world that I can think of that's like fun every time you do it is – entertainment that is designed to be fun which is almost always completely consumption based i've even made video games not fun every time i play them for example when (laughs) i hatch thousands of eggs to get a shiny phantom i felt imprisoned while i was doing it Mm -hmm. and yet i did it not everything's fun all the time yeah um so there's that's there's that part i would like to address the i'm not sure if this is just because i'm not creating a worthy photo if I, like i'm not good enough yet um i think that you know it sounds so cliche at this point to complain about social media this isn't really a complaint it's just something that happens but it feels like hobbies don't count if they're not cool enough to put on the internet yeah like you don't you can't have fun if you didn't do something that's worth showing off but like just pretend the internet didn't exist would you have felt good about the art then? Because it would have been much more ridiculous to assume you might reach thousands of people with that painting you just made. Mm-hmm. You know, back before back before the internet, I still played around on piano, and no one gave me any attention whatsoever, and I still liked it. So it must have yeah. had some inherent value that yeah. should not be undermined by whether or not I went viral or something. Man, I remember getting my first camera... I think Brian and I, I, I was probably 13 or 14, so Brian would have been like 12, 11, something like that. We saved up all of our, our allowance money, and we bought this $100 little blue, like, it looked like one of those, uh, but I can't even remember the name of them, the flip camera, I think it was called. Hmm. It had a weird form factor. It was terrible resolution, but we got that, and we made little movies. And there was not even like an inkling in our mind that these were going to be shared with other people. You at didn't first. have a content strategy. <laughs> YouTube had just come out, and we didn't really know about it. We were just making stuff like, "Oh, we're going to make a ninja movie. It's going to be awesome." And I got a better camera when I was in high school, and I wasn't on Facebook. Instagram didn't exist. 
I wasn't on Twitter yet. I had nothing. So I was really into photography, but it was just for myself. My photos yeah. went onto my hard drive where I would look at them sometimes. Yeah, like, that like was it. back before it became an obvious thing to do with your stuff. It's not yeah. like it's not like I sat around as a little kid like, why aren't thousands of strangers wanting to listen to this? I, I'll email it to them. I mm-hmm. swear I'll send the file today. But yeah, it's, it w- just wasn't an expectation. So it didn't kind of hurt my ability to just enjoy it myself. And then mm-hmm. if I wanted feedback, it would be my close friends and family who probably care more about me and my art anyway. Yeah. So it, the internet's cool. Obviously, I post my work for a reason. I, I want to share it with people. But um, please don't let the external, the extrinsic motivators there through the over-justification effect ruin the intrinsic value of art. Yeah. I think specifically with photography and with art, we go on the internet and you know, say you're following a hundred artists on Instagram, like every day you're going to see something new. It's going to look awesome. Um, and because people put on a, a, a bright face on social media, they always make it seem like they're having fun. So we have all these hundreds of voices and I think they coalesce into this gigantic, uh, over like overbearing feeling that everyone else who's doing this art form is having a blast doing it all the time. And they're also so awesome at it. And boy, why why can't I do stuff to that level and why am I not always stoked to do it? I feel like something's wrong with me or this isn't for me. This isn't my thing. Yeah. And really it's like you got to think about each individual person, not as a collective, but as, you know, Peter McKinnon. Yeah, he puts out these great photos, but he probably spent like eight hours yesterday getting like two photos. There's probably 400 of them that sucked and he was that's, probably stressed out. That's very real. And then he's like, all right, this one's good. I'm pretty proud of it. I'm happy about it. But man, like there were times during the photo- photography session that I was just not feeling it. Wasn't liking what I got. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't have to be good mm-hmm. at something for to, to be fully justified in, in doing it. You can yeah. just have fun and enjoy it. And yeah, I've totally, um, very recently, I took 84 photos at the Garden of the Gods Park, and mm. three of them were acceptable to me. I was excited about basically two of them, and the third one, I was like, I like this one well enough. It, it was a cool experience, but I wish I had done it at this time of day instead. That mm. would have been better. So it didn't reach quite the level of what I normally want, which is already yeah. hard because all my favorites are like insects. They're mm. not really out right now. But 84 photos barely turned into three yeah. as I just ruthlessly trashed the rest of them. It's Most of it isn't a worthy photo. That's That doesn't really matter if I feel some of them are worth it. Mm-hmm. I've taken thousands and thousands that were probably half garbage. They were still fun. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, think about people who, like, take photos of birds. Yeah, so there's a lot of waiting around. I have never gotten a good <laughs> photo of a bird yet, but I, I don't have like a huge crazy zoom lens mm-hmm. or a bird feeder, both of which would help. Those would help. Those would help. I'm not sure what the rules on bird feeders are though, or what the strategies are to make sure that toss a hunk of chicken in a field. I can't feed those birds chicken. <laughs> Do you know what chicken they, is? They feed themselves <laughs> chicken. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Somebody, don't tell Lilo. <laughs> She'll be sad. Fair um, enough. Yeah. Yeah. Have fun with stuff. Have fun with it and realize that, yes, it, it does take a while 
to develop an affinity for a hobby sometimes. If and if you expect greatness Guitar? of it, you won't you won't develop an affinity for it ever because it'll be too high pressure. Do you remember starting guitar? Starting guitar sucks. I was not Your good. Your fingers hurt for like a month because they're just not they are not built for it. Yeah. They're not used to pressing down. It's it's literally like agonizingly painful to play guitar after your first day ever doing it. You're you can't make a good sound. It's terrible. Getting to a point where you enjoy playing guitar, it's like it's like that hell week for like the Navy SEALs. It's not fun. Yeah. But I am so glad I did it. Guitar is one of the most fulfilling things I do in my life. And it puts me into like a complete flow state where nothing else matters and I just am enjoying myself completely. I don't care if anyone ever hears it. I don't care. Like most of the guitar I ever play, never recorded. Never even consider putting it on the internet. It's just I'm sitting there just... It's like the purest moment I could experience. Yeah. But picking up the skills... Building up the finger thimble-like uh, calluses on my fingertips, like takes a while. It's not fun. Yeah, you know. Same with piano. Yeah, not not the pain part. I've I've played but. through pain. The, in fact, the back when I was getting physical therapy, they were confused when I healed back to my normal like grip strength because mm-hmm. they were like, "But you're like a." You don't even do like sports. Why is your grip strength so strong? Because I've played piano for hours past the point that it started being tiring and mm-hmm. painful because I can't stop in the middle of a, writing a song. Yeah. And I accidentally hurt myself so much that I eventually built strength through yeah. piano playing. It's, yeah. It's, you, you just got to deal with the pain and with uh, sucking at stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, the internet's kind of a lottery it's not necessarily a meritocracy. It's like half it maybe not maybe not even half. Maybe it's like a fifth meritocracy, four fifths luck on who saw it at the right time on the right platform oh, yeah. and, and retweeted it at the right time and it's kind of random. That's I mean, how a lot of life is. It's like partially yeah. working for it, but then also a large part is you got lucky and mm-hmm. happened to be working for it. You know, there's a guy who uh, recently was hired at Standard. His name is uh, Dom, and he has a channel called Everything. And if you go look at his channel, like, the quality of his work, you would think he had three, four, five million subscribers. But I think last time I checked, he had less than, like, 20,000. It's The quality of his work is just insane. Every video he makes is a masterpiece. It's incredible. Go watch his videos. I'm going to shout it out right now because you should. But it's just, you know, it's exactly what you said. Like, it's a lottery. Why didn't Dom's videos take off? And everybody in his comments are like, why is your channel not more popular? And the answer is, because if I knew that, if I knew the answer to that question, I would be popular. (laughs) Because sometimes stuff happens. I don't know. Even the popular people barely know why it worked. They can make guesses. They could be like, well, here's some best practices, but here's 50 other people who are also following those best practices, and yeah. they're not blown up, so and then what the it, heck? And it looks like the popular people, they must know the secret because they can maintain it, but maintaining it, you can actually kind of gauge a strategy for once you've yeah. lucked into it the first time. Mm-hmm. But that first step is 
rather arbitrary. You could take masterpiece photos and never be noticed. Yeah. But the one, the one thing I want to end this on is, is this. If there's something that is fun every single time you do it, for every moment you are doing it, it's probably not something where you are going to grow I mean, as it's like probably a person. not like challenging. It's probably it's probably entertainment. It's probably pure consumerist popcorn entertainment. That's not to say you can't have an amazing amount of fun playing guitar, taking photos, whatever it is. But it's kind of balanced with periods of suck. Yeah, but then the, you when know? you break through that learning period, mm-hmm. it feels worth it. But yeah, there's no moment where watching Netflix sucks. That's what it's designed for. But you know, growth, uh, growth, a necessary ingredient in growth is stress. That's how, that's how biology works. An organism adapts and grows as a response to a stressor in the environment. Yeah, Netflix is not a stressor. Video games, unless you are like speed running or being a competitive gamer or trying to hatch a lot of eggs or something. Not really a stressor. If you play it, you know, just to relax, you might get a little bit better, but it's it's not like pure, you know, dedicated practice that hurts. It will be when Animal Crossing comes out. <laughs> Does Animal Crossing hurt? I'm to gonna play? be the best at catching bugs and casually planting fruit trees that you've ever like seen. No one ever was. Yeah. No one's <laughs> no one's even gonna be able to pick fruit as good as me. Mm. Yeah. Some people pick fruit, but not like I do. I'm a genius. I'm so good at picking fruit. (laughs) All right. That's our five questions. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Show notes, as always, are going to be over at CIG Podcast. For this one, CIGpodcast.com slash 290. You can find links to anything we may have mentioned. Otherwise, go over to CIGpodcast.com without any trailing slashes or numbers or whatever to find out how to subscribe to this podcast. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, I don't even know what other ones there are. Podcast, no, no Addict, idea. Pocket Cast. If you guess Smoke. where the MP3 file is, you could download it. Yeah. If you type the right URL you get in. the right URL, you will just directly access the Amazon you AWS have to guess file. It. You have to guess it. Download it. Yeah, just guess it. You get it. You get it. Just start with A. It ends in MP3. I'll give you that. And maybe a dot. Before that. Probably starts with HTTPS colon slash slash. Probably. probably. But it might be on an FTP server. We don't know. Oh, it could be. But it's probably You should probably know. Not. Oh, I know. <laughs> I don't want to give it away, though. The fun is in the search. That's true. The fun is in the search. Needle in a haystack. <laughs> Find that needle. I feel like you like like roll over on the needle before you actually found it, though. Then That's finding it. I'm not going to... That's true. Just not with your hands. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, you're going to find it. Um... If you want to support this podcast, well, it's ending in 10 episodes. So don't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you want to support this podcast, the the main thing I would ask is go over to the YouTube version or tweet us and let us know, like, what do you want from from our our next podcast? We're leaving it kind of open. Yeah. So give us episode ideas. You know, um, I'm down to try all sorts of episode ideas. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. Do whatever. So let us know. Uh, otherwise, you, you can you can write a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can share this with a friend. Uh, I mean, the, the CIG podcast archive will remain online for the foreseeable That's forever. episodes of pure funk. I can't say forever because I'm sure that eventually, like, the sun will expand and, and, like, engulf the earth. And unless I'm able to, like, do some off-site backup to Alpha Centauri before then, 
you know, it'll eventually be offline. But we, we have might, no we plans to, that. to ever take it offline. So it's going to be there as a resource as long as I can leave it there. Um, so yeah, you can share it with a friend, especially if they're a student, because what we're going to be doing going forward after these next 10 episodes will not be so student focused. Though what in this last 100 episode batch has been student yeah, focused? Yeah, we, we really, we've already done it. We just didn't <laughs> relabel things. Yeah. And admit the freedom to ourselves. Yeah. Which is, I think, something people do a lot. They hang on to the past for too long. Yeah. Yeah. You have to venture forward. So that's it. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, Collegeinfogeek.com if you want to see other cool student-focused stuff. Otherwise, YouTube.com slash Thomas Frank for me and Instagram.com slash Yo Martholomew for you for our main stuff that we're doing right now. I would say. Yeah. Like art stuff. I was just like, is that the URL format? It is. But it is. I was just like trying to remember because sometimes it's slash user and YouTube's like slash channel sometimes and I get confused. On YouTube, I have a special. Yeah, on yours, link. yours is good, but I just and got then confused Instagram, for it's a just second. A slash, so. Yeah. yeah. No weird slash user slash banana. I don't know. So that's it. Uh, we will see you in our next episode. Until then, stay cute.